Let's go ahead and stand our feet as we worship the Lord together. He's worthy, man. Church on the Rock. We are so happy to have you guys here at this early service with us. And every time we sing that song, I always love that that part in the bridge where it says, in the sun or the rain, my life celebrates. 
And I love to think that no matter whether it's raining or the sun is shining, that the Lord is still good and he is still for us. No matter who is against us in the world, the Lord is still for us. And that's awesome to know. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, my heart. 
bless you, Jesus.
I'm going to sing that again, but before we sing that again, this song is really significant, and it's significant to me, and I, I hope it, it ministers you as well. But the thing about it that's so significant is that, you know, the song talks about I'm all that he says I am. And I told the service last night, I told him, I said, you know, in our world and day in and day out, there's, I don't know about you, but there's so many voices trying to define who we are. You know, whether it's the TV saying you should look like this or it's your friend saying you should do this or all these different things trying to define who we are. And how often do we stop and think and we ask, but what does God say? What does God have to say about me? What is God's destiny? What is God's purpose? What does God have for me? What is he saying? We get so caught up sometimes in the voices around us that we don't listen to the most important voice. So as we sing this song one last time, can we just for a moment try to shut everything out and say, God, what are you saying about me today? What is your plan? What is your destiny for me? As we sing it again, we say, Lord, I am all you say I am. And I am more, he says I am, I am more, he says I am, I am more, he says I am, and he says I am. Oh, we're so thankful that we belong to you, Jesus. Come on, somebody, just give him some love in this place this morning. We bless you, Jesus. He is worthy, amen. Lord, we exalt him together. Lord, we exalt you, King of kings, Lord of lords, for you alone are worthy.
Welcome to Church on a Rock. We're so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. You can either drop it in the offering or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. We offer Saturday night meals and snacks between Sunday services. And don't forget, the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you're here, and we hope that you know there's always a place for you at Church on the Run. The journey of life can be difficult. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help your journey by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or anyone wanting to get more involved. It is a four-week class to help you learn about the church, help you get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The leadership class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, or in your home. Between our Connect, Spirit-Filled Life, Freedom, and Leadership classes, there is a Wednesday night class for everyone. It's that special time of year. The leaves are changing, the air is getting colder, and we are celebrating with our Church on the Rock Family Fall Festival. A chance for our Church on the Rock family to have some food, fellowship, and fun. With games, candy, hot chocolate, s'mores, you won't want to miss out on the Church on the Rock Family Fall Festival, Saturday evening, October 31st, after service. Everybody doing good this morning? A little crisp out there, feeling good? Amen. Well, Pastor John and Linnell are senior pastors. They're in Branson this weekend. Anybody ever heard of the man by the name of Apostle Kenneth Tracy? That's Linnell's father-in-law. It's their 60th wedding anniversary. So the whole family's up there. So just pray for our pastor. Just relax. But just everybody will have a great time with all their family and, and continue to pray for Apostle C. He usually comes around about Thanksgiving and, and just a great man of God, a great preacher. But also, if you're fairly new to the church, if you've never filled out one of these little white cards, if you'd fill that out and drop it in the offering, we'd be able to communicate with you with what's going on, or you can just take it to the connect room on the other side of these doors and give it to one of the people in there, they'll answer any questions, but they'll also give you a gift bag with some great goodies in it. Amen. As you saw, we're doing a harvest festival, and we're not doing a big community thing. We're doing something more for our family. Invite people that you know and come. It's going to be outdoor, just a fun little time. So sign up in the foyer if you want to help uh, do any of those booths. Or if you just, let's do it. We're going to do it old school, old fashioned kind of games. So if you know any games and want to run a booth, just sign up out there. Amen. Pastor Travis. Amen. Good to see everybody. You're looking good. You know, we were kind of debating this morning over how many uh, distraught hog fans were going to be here this morning, but. I see a few big ones here. Uh, we'll pray harder next week, right? 
Anyways, it's offering time. In just a second, we're going to show an offering video. It's about Imagine More. But we've been saying it the last few weeks that we're breaking ground in the spring. And I don't know about you, but I'm so excited about it. Um, we need some space here at the church. And if you, right after the service, as you know, the halls are packed. And, and this remodel is going to allow us to add children's space, kids' space. We're going to enlarge the cafe, the hallways. It's going to be amazing. And the whole purpose of this is to reach more people. Amen. So uh, there's a card in the seat back in front of you, and we're asking everybody to take the month of October. Just pray what God would have you do. And uh, I believe all of us together, we can do a little bit, and together we can do something great. Amen. God bless you as you give, and let's check this video out. Hi, I'm Jody Vanderhoof, and I coach Junior Bible Quiz, or JBQ, here at Church on the Rock. I am committed to Imagine More because when I see 27 kids in one room trying to buzz in and quiz, I realize we need more space in a desperate way. We are out of room, and we need more.
Desire. Give him a hand clap this morning. Give him some praise. Amen. God is good, right? Amen. Well, give your neighbor a fist bump, high five, a hug, a greet and a howdy, and you may have a seat. Hallelujah. Anybody got a Bible? Anybody got a Bible out there? Phone? Something with the word on it? Shake it a little bit. Make the bookstores glad and the devil mad, and let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. They got it last night. I know this is a weapon, right? Well, repeat after me. This word has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, sin deflector, faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. And this word is a fire into my bones. Come on, say fire with faith. Fire, fire, fire. Well, there is enough faith in here. I wasn't sure, but this word is a fire today. Anyhow, that, that's all the way back 10 years from children's ministry, but I had to dig it out just for you guys. Amen. A message entitled, Wait for It. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay, wait for it. Wait for it. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Wait for it. Say wait for it. You gotta say wait for it. That's a little better. No one likes to wait, right? But it's all a part of our life. Uh, we wait at the grocery store. We wait at the DMV. We wait at the doctor's office in the what? In the waiting room to get to the doctor's office, to wait for the nurse to finally come in, to find out we're going to wait for the doctor to come in and then wait for the results. Uh, we're always waiting. And then what about when you wait for the red light to turn green? And you wait and it turns green, and then you got to wait for that person in front of you to go. I mean, what, last week I gave it about four seconds before I gently tapped my horn. I mean, what, what's customary? Three, four seconds, Travis? That, that's good. One second? All right. <laughs> Never fails. I go to the grocery store. I go to Lowe's, Home Depot, a place like that. And I got, I'm in a hurry. I got my stuff, and I start evaluating. Okay, what line's faster? What line? Okay, the big buggy? No. Okay, aisle two. That's it. I'm in aisle two, and I'm waiting. Things are moving quickly, and all of a sudden... Price check on aisle two, price check, and then I got to reevaluate because it just come to a standstill. So now I'm looking around, okay, aisle three, uh, I'm going to take a chance. And I go to aisle three, and I'm, you know, aisle two still stopped, and I'm starting to move. So I'm, I am feeling pretty good about this decision because usually it doesn't work out. But then you hear, we need a manager on uh, number three there. And, uh, but anyhow, I'm not really a very patient person, but I'm a lot more patient than I used to be, because I couldn't even work on cars. I'd throw wrenches and get mad. I tried golfing in college, and I'd throw golf clubs, and just no patience whatsoever. But I have a little more patience now, amen? amen? But speaking about waiting, first of all, there's this lady in the checkout line, and she's got her cleaning supplies. She bought her brand-new broom, and she's in the line, and it's just come to a standstill. And you can tell by her body language she's getting frustrated. I mean, she's starting to move around. She's starting, <coughs> you know, making those sounds and just kind of the cashier, and everybody's looking around. And she finally just blurts out, hey, at this rate, I won't even make it home by Christmas. And the cash register lady, she kind of looks, and she kind of responds back. She says, you know, with that wind picking up like that and your new broom, you'll make it home in no time. <laughs> Whoops. 
You know, when I was born again, I started seeing a lot of changes in my life. Started seeing a lot more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You know, the things, self-control, the, f- the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I may not be where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I used to be. Is anybody like that out there? Let's pray. Father, we do bless you and thank you for this opportunity to be here today, to hear your word, to worship together. And Lord, there's a lot of us that we may not be where we want to be. And Lord, you love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to leave us this way. So let your word come and just begin to change us and give us your power to be able to make those changes in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's take a look at two passages, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. And so you can start in the back of chapter 1, verse 2. It says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? I will cry out to you violence and you will not save. Basically, he's praying and saying, how long before you answer, Lord? I mean, we're under this oppression. How long? You were just tired of waiting kind of a, kind of a prayer. And then you get to the start of chapter 2 in verse 1. I will stand my watch. I will set myself on a rampart and I will watch to see. That's very important. I will watch to see what the Lord will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie, though it tarries. Do what? Wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Let's go to the New Testament now. Second Peter 2, 1-3. through 3. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue, by which you have been giving to us, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to that word perseverance. Another translation you'll read, it'll say patience. But it's basically the Greek word hupomone. Say hupomone. Hupomone. All right? It's patience. All right? It means endurance, steadfastness, patient, waiting for. Another version says cheerful or hopeful endurance. It's a compound word made of two words. The first word is hypo, a preposition meaning under. And the second word, maneo, is a verb that means to remain. So it's the idea that you're remaining under some circumstances you can't change. You're remaining under, able to be steadfast under some situations that might not change for a while. So patience is a Christian virtue. It's a Christian discipline, and it's a fruit available through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think my fruit is a little more like sour grapes when it comes to waiting. Anybody like that? Speaking of waiting, there was this woman that was at her car. It stopped on the side, on the, right in the lane of the road. She's under the hood trying to figure it out, can't figure out what's up. And, of course, the guy behind her relentlessly laying on the horn, just honking away and just wearing her out. She finally calmly walks back to the guy. He rolls down his window. He says, sir, if you wouldn't mind looking under my hood to figure out the problem, I'll gladly stay back here and honk the horn for you. <laughs> See, there's two kinds of waiting. There's either passively waiting or there's expectantly waiting. All right? You either do it passively or expectantly. A passive person hopes that something good's going to happen, but after they wait around, nothing happens. They finally give up and say, man, that's it. I just quit. Okay? Now you, and see, a passive person has a lot of wishbone but no backbone. Hmm. 
And an expectant person, on the other hand, they're hopeful, believing the answer is just around the corner. It's going to arrive at any minute. Their belief is not a passive thing. I mean, their heart's full of hope. They expect a problem to be solved in any moment. They wake up every morning expecting that answer is going to come. They wait and they wait, and suddenly what they've been waiting for happens because they have what? Hupamone. They have that patience, that endurance to be able to wait for the answer to come. Let's talk about expectant ladies, okay? Pregnant ladies. Any out there? We've had a bunch of them, and a lot of them have already given birth, some still waiting. But first of all, they wait for nine months. They wait. In some cases, they still work. They wait, and they're eating right. They wait through the discomfort. They wait to go see the doctor. They wait through morning sickness. They wait to get to the next rest stop so they can go to the bathroom again because they just went at the last rest stop. You know, they're waiting, and you think about they're waiting for an experience that could be the most painful experience they've ever had. But yet, somehow, they are looking forward to it. And they have a baby. And sometimes they have two babies, or three or four. Amen. You know, I believe God has planted some seeds in our hearts, and He wants to bring them forth right now. It's like you're carrying something in your spirit, and He wants these things to birth forth. And I believe it could be a new business, it could be a new ministry, it could be a book, it could be a song, movie. You know, I don't know what it is, but there's something inside of you that you know needs to come forth you know, by the Spirit. And some of you have been carrying this dream for a while. You might have an idea what it is. You might kind of know what it looks like. But others, you just know there's something that's, that's bigger than you are that needs to happen in your life. And you might not know what it looks like. You might not be able to tell what it is, but you just know there's something that needs to come forth. And it's very important to know what to do and how to respond while you're waiting. It's a very important part. Because the enemy is out there. He wants to abort what God wants to do in you. He wants to bring death to it. That's his goal and his plan. And matter of fact, 2 Kings 19.3, they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and rebuke and blasphemy. Kind of sounds like America right now. For the children have come to birth, but there's no strength to bring them forth. I mean, just thinking that, carrying this baby and not even be able to bring it forth. And I believe that's the end. As a matter of fact, it says in the book of Daniel that the enemy comes to wear out the saints. See, I think during this time, he wants to get you weak. He wants to get you tired. He wants to get you weary. He wants to get you to lose faith, to faint, to give up. So this dream that God's put inside, you can't come forth. But what does God say about that? Isaiah 40. He said, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator, the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly faint. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings of eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. Is that good news? But you got to do what? Those who what on the Lord? Those who wait on the Lord. So let's talk about waiting a little bit. Okay, wait for it. Wait. There's an acronym coming. Just wait for it. Wait. It's the word wait. All right? The W stands for watch. Say watch. watch. Habakkuk 2.1. Remember, I will stand my watch. I will set myself on the rampart and watch to see what the Lord will say. I promise if you're waiting, if you're in a situation where you're kind of not sure what's going on, you're waiting for something to happen, I promise you God has something to say. He really does. That's why you need to watch. By watching, you're being attentive. You're listening. You're kind of trying to see what the Lord's saying, what He's doing. And what do you do while you're waiting, let's say, for an opportunity? You've got to be watching to see what the Lord will do. You've got to do that. But you also have to, I'm going to give you another W word. This is double, double bonus today. It's the word work. 
Say work. That means you got to be preparing while this opportunity is coming. You just can't sit back and wait. you got to do some preparation. you got to do a little work, okay? See, now, when I was young, freshman in high school, I wanted to play pro football. But if somebody looked at me, I would just say, I'll be a farmer or a teacher. Because if they looked at me, almost 100 pounds when I was a freshman. When I took a shower, I wore water skis so I wouldn't go down the drain. I was so skinny. Yeah, I've told that joke about 100 times. But anyhow... By the time I was a junior, I was only 135 pounds. I had a lot of opportunity to kind of quit and, quit and give up. But you know what? To make the NFL, first of all, there's over a million high school players. Out of that million, only 6.5% go on to play in the NCAA. And then out of that 6.5%, only 1.5% go on to play in the NFL. And then if you do play in the NFL, the average lifespan is three years, and you make a minimum salary, you're not going to survive the rest of your life on that amount of money, are you? So young people, you get a what? An education. Amen? Okay, while I was doing my waiting for my opportunity to play football... What I would do is I had this kind of old school timer that would kick on the electricity. And when the electricity would come on, and then I had this thing called a record player that had this arm and a needle, and it would go over this piece of vinyl, and it would drop down on that vinyl into the grooves, and then you would begin to hear this, and it would be waking me up in the morning. You would begin to hear... And I would kind of shake, I don't want to get up, I don't want to get up. But as it played, I'd make my way to the refrigerator. I'd find some raw eggs. I'd crack them and put them in the glass. Why? Because that's what Rocky would do. And I mean, that was honestly my routine. And then my buddy, I'd meet him. Getting up at 5 in the morning, I'd meet him at his weight room. I'd meet Jerry, and we'd go, and we'd work out. And then I'd have to be the work at the grain elevator in my little town of Clay Center. And I'd go to the grain elevator, and I'd work from 7 in the morning till 6 at night. And then at 6 at night, when my buddies would want to go to the bar and drink a beer and have a burger, I would go to the football field to do plyometrics and sprint training. Because what? When my opportunity came, I had to be ready. I had to be ready for that. You have to have some hoopomony. Now, you might be in a situation where you've got something in your heart. It might have anything to do with athletics or anything like that. But I'm going to ask you, what are you doing while you're waiting for your opportunity? Are you learning? Are you growing? Are you getting some knowledge in that particular area? Will you be ready when opportunity knocks at your door? And if it's a God thing, it doesn't matter what the odds are, okay? You know, I only had a 1.5% chance of making it, and really less because I was smaller in a small town. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what the odds are. If it's a God thing, the devil can't stop it. As a matter of fact, the only person that can stop it is you. If you give up, if you quit, if you don't have the patience and endurance to keep going, you're the only one that can stop it. You know, I could have given up the very first time my freshman year. The little town Clay Center, so small, welcome sign, the leaving sign are on the same post, 23 in my graduating class, 22 on the football team. And my freshman year, all I did, even with that low number of people, I just ran up and down the side. I never stepped on the football field during a game. I lost my voice every Friday night. I know what your cheerleaders go through. It's a tough job promise you. And then my sophomore year, once on a kickoff team or twice, so I had a lot of opportunity to quit. My junior year, though, finally, the coach sees me working hard. I have gotten massive. I'm up to 135 pounds, five foot seven, and I'm the starting quarterback. And in two games, man, I completed four passes. The only problem was they're completed to the other team. So I had four interceptions back on the bench. A lot of opportunity to quit. 
Go to college, kind of same things kind of happen again, but then got the senior year, got the attention of a pro scout and doing real good in track and an All-American hurler and ended up playing eight years of fo- pro football, even though it was bouncing around here and there, the Chicago Bears and a few places. But the thing is, somebody like Michael Jordan, anybody heard of him? To me, one of the greatest basketball players in the NBA. Listen to what he said about his success. I missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Remember, every trial is a test, but every test can be a testimony. Anybody say amen to that? Let's go to James 1-2. My brethren, can it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience? But let patience have its perfect what? Let patience have its perfect work. Hopefully get to that part. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If, you, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith without doubting for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let patience have its perfect work. All right? So it's important to be working, to be doing something while you're waiting. The next Letter is the letter A in the word wait, and it stands for ask. We just read that, that if you're lacking wisdom, you need to ask for God. If you feel like you're going around the mountain, you're just kind of waiting, you need to be asking for some answers, asking God for some revelation, ask Him for some patience. And if anybody lacks lacks wisdom, ask God. Now, here's the thing. Know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. First of all, knowledge involves information, involves facts, involves stuff you can get in a book. Okay, but wisdom is the ability or insight to apply that knowledge, to apply those facts. Knowledge comes through His Word, right? And to carefully study, you're going to find out what the will of God is. But wisdom is how to properly use His Word, and that only is revealed through prayer. When you spend time with the writer of this book, when you spend time with the one who wants to live in your heart that created you, you spend time with Him, you'll be able to get that wisdom to use His Word. And wisdom can turn trials into triumph. I mean, you need to be asking, you need to be praying, you need to be knocking, you need to be seeking, you need to be journaling. See, I realized early in life, when it comes to waiting, I really didn't like to fish. See, I like to catch fish. How many like to catch fish? I love to catch fish. But now my buddy Kirk, Kirk Jernigan, that, that son, well, he loves to fish. You just go out in the boat, he can just keep casting and casting. You know, about 15 minutes, we're not catching anything, and it's like, okay, it's time to go now. So there's a difference between, you know, fishing and catching fish. He loved to, to fish. But when it comes to some things, and even, and the thing about it, uh, even with pastor and duck hunting, I went a few times, and when you're shooting ducks, you get in one of these, you know, fancy guys blinds with the dogs, man, it's exciting. But I, I decided, well, I'm going to do this. I bought some decoys, drove out there, threw them out in the pond, and they just fly right over. Then I realized, oh, man, you got to learn how to blow, blow the little horn thing, the, the duck call, there you go, all that stuff. So you got to spend time, you got to learn if you're going to go out and... But when you learn, you become successful. When you're successful, what? You enjoy a lot more, don't you? But it takes some time and money to be able to do that. But you know, you can get knowledge even... I mean, it's just... A lot of times you can just Google it. It's amazing what you can find out. There's a young man in our church. His car wasn't... Uh, he couldn't get the hood open. And he said, man, I, the little thing don't work and I can't get it open. And I said, well, give me 10 minutes. I'll be out and look at it. So I spent the first five minutes and I Googled Ford Explorer, hood won't open, boom, immediately. you got to go through the, the grill with a screwdriver and you hit this little thing. So I walk out, about two, three minutes, boom, pop his hood open, and I look at him. I said, you think I'm a pretty good mechanic? And I don't remember what his answer was. I said, you could be just as good if you'd have Googled what I just Googled about five minutes ago. 
The letter I stands for inspect. Say inspect. John Maxwell. Matter of fact, I'm doing a leadership class starting next Sunday at 11. It's just four weeks. We're going to take a break in the middle from 11 till 12. And it's a series called Real Success. See, we're all called to be leaders. And a lot of times, this is just how to be a leader, whether you're a wife, you know, leading your children or leading your husband or whatever it may be. Uh, You know, business, whatever it is. This is a good leadership class. But anyhow, John Maxwell makes this statement. You need to inspect what you expect. See, sometimes if you're expecting these results to happen, sometimes you've got to stop and inspect. Look in the mirror. Look at yourself. Kind of evaluate what's going on in your life. Look in the mirror of God's Word and just see if there's anything um, that's going on that maybe shouldn't be. Because I believe there's a spiritual solution for every natural situation. In other words, there is a promise for every problem you have. And if you're an impatient person, maybe you get upset easily. Do you have a hard time waiting? Well, speaking of waiting, there was this man named Frank. Okay, and he was a very impatient man, and when it comes to communication, he wanted you just to say it positive all the time. Nothing negative, just get to the point. His wife calls him in a very busy time of the day while he's at work, and she's talking a little slow, a little hesitant. He interrupts her and says, I want you to be brief, and I want you to be positive. So she kind of paused a moment, and then she cheerfully replied, You know, Sonny, honey, I discovered our airbags on our BMW work great. Think about that. We'll go back to the word then. 2 Peter 1.4, as my latter man comes. I have been given these exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith, we're adding to things, to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. Amen. Let's get some goodies over here. First of all, what was the very first thing? It said faith. But faith is the foundation, okay? That's what this whole experience, Christian experience, is about. I mean, we're standing on faith. We believe that Jesus really did die on that cross. It's all about faith. The relationship has to do with faith, okay? And then to faith, what do we add? We want to add some virtue, right? What is virtue? I don't know. Google it. Find out. (laughs) Moral excellence might be a good idea, though. Uh, Knowledge is the next thing we want to... Just kind of picture you're adding these things, right? Just kind of... And as you're adding, you're getting a little higher. And to uh, knowledge, we're going to add a what? A little self-control to self-control. Perseverance or... Patience or... Hupomone. And then some godliness. All right? then some brotherly kindness, then some love. So you're kind of starting here with a little virtue. You get a little knowledge. You add a little self-control. That's kind of a tough one, right? And you get up here to perseverance. And to see, is, as you're adding these things, you're what? You're getting a little higher. Kind of that sense, hey, I'm getting a little closer to God. But what is God? God is what? I don't want to get too far over. God's love. And I think the more you have those things, the more we're like God and the better representation we are of Him in this kingdom. I want to stop kind of at this one a little bit. Godliness. Because godliness, another way to break that down is serving God. That's actually in one of the versions that says serving God. Are you serving? Very important thing to do while you're waiting. Because God can't, you can't steer a parked car. It's just hard to do. But when you start to move, and one way to move is just serve. And are you serving in the kingdom at all? Are you serving in the community? Are you serving in the church at all? I mean, these things called church services just don't happen. 
When we have that Harvest Fall Festival, it's not just going to happen. People have to step up and serve. You know, we've got the class, the Connect class, where you can come this Wednesday night, and you'll find out what your spiritual gifts are. You'll find a place to serve that's really, that fits you. And on your schedule, you can be able to serve God. You know, are you serving Him? You know, a waiter at a restaurant. First of all, you just think of that. That's kind of a neat name. They're waiting, but they're not waiting. I mean, they're actually doing something. They're waiting on you. When we wait on God, I want you to think of that like a waiter. But first of all, a waiter ought to have a job description, right? It ought to be something like knowing the, uh, the boss's requirements and knowing what's on the menu. And then the other part of the job description would be take the menu to the person, ask them what they want on the menu. And the other part of the job description was take them their food and their drink. Okay? Now, the thing is, good waiters aren't just waiting. And they're not just listening either, are they? They're not just listening. They have their name out. They're doing what? They're watching. I mean, they're looking to see if that tea's getting a little low, a little more sweet tea, half and half, right, Nick? Yeah, no, no lemon? Yeah, okay. So they're, they're working. They're, they're, they're watching. They're being watchful. That should be our job description. Knowledge of the requirements of our boss and a knowledge of the service we're providing. And I believe that's the very heart of waiting on God and what it's all about. Gaining knowledge through Him, through His Word, and then asking Him what He requires of us. And that should bring us into a relationship with Him. And that relationship, out of that, should come a willingness to serve the one who created us. Now, when you get good service and good food at a restaurant, what do you remember? You remember the restaurant. You don't necessarily remember that waiter so much. But you remember the restaurant. And what about when it's bad service or food? Matter of fact, be careful when you're wearing the little church on the rock shirt and you're at the restaurant and getting ready to yell at the waitress because your food didn't turn out right or you're wearing your Jesus loves you shirt because what are they going to remember they might not remember you they'll remember the church or worse they'll remember oh that's one of those Christians who never tips that's one of those Christians amen don't want to go there too much all right a couple other points about inspecting your life in regards to waiting waiting reveals your true motives waiting reveals character I had this friend that uh, he just have a tendency to get stopped by the police a lot, just kind of maybe sitting, speed limit, doing things. But he did not have the self-control or the patience to kind of keep his mouth quiet until the officer just wrote the ticket. He had to get in this explanation, which turned into an argument. And you know what? The school of hard knocks costs you some money, doesn't it? Okay, young people, the school of hard knocks. You know, that's when you decide, oh, I don't have to listen to what they say. I'm going to learn it myself. And you do it yourself. You know, some of us no hair people, gray hair people, we might actually be able to give you some wisdom. See, I learned some things in college. I learned that I could not take my car and chase the other guy through this farmer's wheat field without it being trespassing and costing me $500. I learned that. I also learned when I was in California to take this uh, a class during a, kind of a break we had in school that if I got to a red light in my kind of a hot car and I revved the motor and there was a guy beside me and, and we took off, even though we didn't spin our tires, even though we didn't uh, speed, we were jockeying for position and I learned by $300, that's called engaging in a speed contest. It, you have to pay to play, don't you? Amen. Let's go to the T word as we kind of wind her up here. T stands for train. Go whoop, whoop. No, it's not that kind of train. It's about training, all right? Being ready, preparing. Okay, if you're waiting for an opportunity, you need to be what? You need to be training. You need to be ready. Using the time to get better, to get more prepared. When I was waiting for my opportunity in the NFL, I was, every, I was always training. That was my mindset. Everything I do is training. I'd work for this farmer, and if he wanted me to pick up something, I'd try to pick up two of them and go as fast as I could. 
If he wanted us to go to another part of the farm to check on the cows, I would be like Forrest Gump. I was running because I, I just knew, hey, I can get a little faster. I can get a little stronger because my opportunity came. I had to be ready. And when opportunity came, I was able to get their attention and sign on with the Bears, played eight years pro football. But even in the midst of that, there was, I just thank God that I didn't get too good and I had to go to one league to another league and bounce around because I know if I'd had too much success, I wouldn't have had the, those things to be able to handle it. I wouldn't be married right now. I wouldn't, hard telling where I'd be right now. And I just say, thank God. But you got to be training. And then in the summer of my senior year, because remember, I was only 135. I finally got up to 155, and I'm getting ready to go to college. And, man, I got, I'm working for this farmer, and this farmer's wife just cooks unbelievable. And so I'm eating all the potatoes, all the meat. I'm just eating, because I want to get some weight put on. And I'm eating and eating. And then she said, you want seconds? I said, okay. So I'm eating some seconds. I'm just stuffed. And then she comes back with the bowl of potatoes. There's a little bit left. She said, oh, we got to clean this up so it'll be a clear day tomorrow. And I said, well, we want it to be a clear day tomorrow. So I try to stuff that in. But thank God this guy, would, we'd take a 15-minute nap. And man, I'd lay down 30 seconds, I'm out. And boom, we're up in 15 minutes and, and we're going. But I realized you can't just eat and that won't put on muscle. When I got to college, I realized I had to go to the weight room and I have to take these weights and I'd have to let them crush me and then try to push them back and fight against it. See, what was happening, my muscles were actually tearing and then when I'd eat right, they would repair. And so I'm not adding more muscle. What muscle I have is coming back stronger and I'm getting bigger and stronger. And that's part of it. You know, God has a weight room. He really does. He's got a weight room. And when you wait on the Lord, you're going to renew your strength. And when you need something, yes, you need to pray, you need to act. But really, a lot of times, it's what you do after you pray and you're waiting that's going to make the difference whether you see this prayer come to answer or not. You know, we got a prophetic word back in the early 90s. First of all, we're in Pastor John's house. He has a, a really nice house. Why? Because he got a prophetic word when he's in California from Apostle C to buy this little house. They bought it. They had to have somebody live with them to make the payments. And then they got a prophetic word that said, you need to sell this house. And they sold it at the top of the market, come back here, bought a great house. So my wife's, we've got four kids at the time, and she's nursing one of our babies and looking at Pastor John's house and talking to God. You know, Lord, I'd really love a house. But I mean, we've got healthy kids. I just thank you. Just take that out of my heart. So she's having a conversation, right? She walks down into a meeting with a man that's a... We had a leadership meeting. The man's name was Dick Mills. He stops my wife, looks at her, and said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, new house. And he gave her a scripture about it too. Now, do you imagine what that did to my wife? She's just having this conversation. And so, did we get a new house the next day? No. Matter of fact, within uh, a year, the house we were renting went from 600 rent to 1,300 rent. It more than doubled. And so now I'm trying to find a place to live. I can't find a place. And I'm... I've got all this stuff. I'm about ready to go to storage. And this lady that's about 70 that goes to our church, Faye Tarter, she's driving back from Little Rock. And when I'm trying to make this decision, she calls and says, Hey, Pastor Mike, I was driving back from Little Rock and I saw your family living with me. What does that mean? And I'm going, Oh, Lord, I don't know what that means. But she says she saw that. I don't know what that meant. But she said that. And so I'm thinking, Okay, you want me, my four children, to come live with you, your 90-year-old mom, and your four cats, but we did for several months. But, you know, we were all messed up in our credit from the football league that didn't pay me back in San Antonio. And we were able to catch up on things. See, sometimes uh, the prayer's not answers because God's got to rearrange the furniture, get some things in order so he can be able to get you ready for your opportunity. So 
Three more years goes by. I'm still renting a house. And then we get in a meeting, we get another prophetic word. The guy looks at us and says, I believe the Lord is saying new house with a fence, with a pool, with storage. And I'm just saying, okay, this is even more descriptive. So we go a few more years. But see, sometimes you get a prophetic word, so you have something to fight with. That's what it says in Timothy. You have something to kind of hold on to and fight for. And so I knew this, but I knew I had to do some work in the meantime. We're looking. We're trying to figure things out. We finally find a place, and we see it in December, and we say, okay, we'll get our stuff together. We'll buy it in January. We can fix it up a little bit. It'll be a good house. And so what happens in December? The house catches on fire. And so it's burnt through the ceiling of the kitchen and the master bedroom. So I'm thinking, okay, God, I really thought this was it. And you just feel like, I just like given up. But I go to my weight room. It was, we were renting a place that had kind of a third floor. And I just went up there to pray. And I felt like the Lord take my journal. And I took my little notebook and I laid it out there. And I'm just, God, what's up? What's, I need some answers. And I felt this impressed to get your pen and write. So, oh, Lord. So I start to write. And right away, I'm struggling. I say, well, is that me? Is that God? And what I wrote, I wrote before I thought. I said, this is the house. And then I'm stopping. What, what, what did I just write? What just, how can this be the house? But I just, and I drew a picture of our house we're living in right now with an addition with a weight room and all these different, I just drew that picture. My back, I think it was in 95 or so. And so then I think, man, this is it. So I called this Christian contractor and, and uh, he looks at it and said, it's too far gone, I wouldn't mess with it. So I'm thinking, oh Lord. But then somebody introduced me to this. I don't know how he came to church, but this is a man that was a drunk that God had delivered. He was an alcoholic. God delivered him and he was just on fire for God, and he found out. I hear he tried to, let's go look at it. I'm telling you, this guy went the extra mile. We had what would probably have been a 2,400-square-foot house to a 4,000-square-foot house where my parents were able to live in it, a weight room and all this stuff, and having terrible credit. As a matter of fact, I had to pay off some car loans and some lady that lived with a bunch of other people that her husband worked seven days a week, went down like she wanted to buy one of these cars. She pulled out $18,000 and paid off my loans. And this is a person who looks like of no means. And I'm telling you that, that, but I was inspecting my life along the way, saying, am I tithing? Check. Okay, I'm doing it. But am I planting seeds? Well, gosh, I don't have much to plant. I mean, we got all this going on. And I was trying to buy and sell cars, and I had one car worth a 1000 bucks. And I felt like the Lord said, we're building powerhouse. And I heard this, and I think I heard it from a preacher. I don't know who it was, but God said, if you'll take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. I think it was through somebody preaching that came in. And so, man, we helped pay off this church, give our little bit we could. Powerhouse came. I gave this $1,000 car. We were able to buy one of the speakers down there. And, you know, well, shortly after that, somebody gave me a car back worth over 2000 That's happened three or four times. You just got to be faithful and not give up. Kind of inspect every once in a while. Had to watch to see what the Lord was doing. Let's go to the last T. The letter is T, and the word is test. Say test. Everything's a test. The testing of our faith produces what? Patience. Say patience. Say hupomone. What are your motives? That's what it comes down to, that test. What are your motives? Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. He didn't have to sacrifice him, but God, what are your motives? Do you really love me? Do you trust me in all this? And then he comes to Joseph. He's thrown in the prison. Joseph, do you trust me? Are you going to continue to declare me as Lord? Are you going to continue to serve me? Let all the jail know that I'm God. What about Paul and Silas when they're in prison? Are they just going to curse God and say, man, I can't believe we got in the ministry. What are we doing? This is not paying very well. But no, they continue to praise God. They continue to worship. They begin to sing to the Lord. And he began to make a way where there seemed like there was no way. What are you going through right now? You know, what are you waiting for? 
What prayer hasn't been answered yet? Because I believe there's a grace for your situation, but you have to wait for it. I believe there's a grace for your situation, but you have to Okay, I can go back and start over. Maybe we can get it then. The title of this message is Wait For It. It's what? Okay, we're getting there. All right. Or maybe there's some resources you need to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish, and you just have to wait for it. Amen? Maybe it's a simple thing this week. Maybe you're going to be in one of those situations at the restaurant, and you're getting ready to kind of boil over, and you say, oh, I need to wait for it. God, I need some patience. And you do what? Deep breath, and you wait for it. Wait for it. I want those words to ring in your mind when you're in that situation. You're going to wait for it because the Holy Spirit. You know, in God's weight room, He has a strength coach. And we'll kind of finish with this. He has a strength coach. He said He'll give you power to be a witness. That's the power of the what? The Holy Spirit. You know, it says in Jude 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy, wait for it, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that leads to eternal life. But you could be in a situation, maybe like I was, where I had asked Christ into my life, had a personal relationship, but I kept thinking, gosh, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And we were in a Bible study talking about the Holy Spirit and talking about how they prayed for Him and they'd speak in tongues and all these things I, I didn't understand from my Lutheran background and my wife's Catholic background and getting married. And I didn't understand these things. But all I knew is I, was, I loved the Lord at that time. He was changing my life and I wanted more of God. And that guy prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe it's like Acts 19 too. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? People that are saved, people that believe, and they said, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. And so the disciples were told to go to Jerusalem and do what? To wait. Because they were going to receive power. That way they're going to be able to experience His peace, His prosperity, and His power. All I know, I know what my life was like B.C. before Christ. I also know what it was like B.S. before the Spirit. And I'm telling you, the power of the Spirit really transformed me. And it's another experience other than salvation. You can receive them simultaneously, but you've got to ask for it, it says in Luke eleven eleven. If you ask your earthly father for a fish, he wouldn't give you a snake. If you ask him for an egg, he wouldn't give you a scorpion. How much more if you ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, would he give it to you? This could be the thing some of you are looking for when you're asking for more of God. We've got a class called the Spirit-Filled Life class. Uh, Robert Morris out of Gateway Church has a book called The God I Never Knew. I'm telling you, you need to ask God. That's a powerful prayer to prayer to pray just God I want more of you and watch the journey he takes you on maybe at the end of this message here you come to the altar and say hey I want more of God would you pray for me and God begin to reveal that power he has for you but I want to go to that verse in Habakkuk uh, chapter 2 verse 1 and read it one more time it talks about standing your watch waiting and watching to see what the Lord would say but in verse 2 the Lord answered and said to me write the vision make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it some of you have some goals and some visions or dreams you need to write on paper it's where you can see them. They're before you write. Some of you, that in, it involves other people, a spouse or somebody, write them up where they can see them. Maybe some goals to get out of debt, whatever it is. But put them up where you can see them because they have power when you put, them on the, put your pen on the paper. You know, when I was in uh, youth ministry down at Powerhouse, there was a point things were growing and, and just a lot of things in my mind and just overwhelmed. And we finally, on that door, we put weight room. 
W-A-I-T. And back in that weight room where we'd pray, we'd put up a bunch of metal with magnets, and any thought I'd had, I'd just stick it up there. I'd put to-do lists. I'd put things I was praying for. And that leadership would come in there. Sometimes they'd see something, hey, I can do that, or, or just would kind of join with me. But it, more than anything, it would remind me. It wouldn't get lost in all the shuffle. Some of you need to write some things down. But it's important what you do while you're waiting. One more illustration. I've used this a bunch in the youth ministry. But has anybody heard of the Chinese bamboo tree? What it is, a tree, the gardener plants the seed and for five years water and fertilize it. And in five years, they only see one inch of a sprout growing for five years. But then in 90 days, the tree grows 90 feet. Think about that. Did it grow 90 feet in five years or in 90 days? I mean, if they wouldn't, what was happening underneath that soil, that root system was growing and growing because they were watering and fertilizing. What was happening underneath, it was getting this huge root system to be able to support this rapid growth. I'm telling you, some of you, uh, you might have things in the natural. I mean, you're lining things up, you're doing your studying, you're preparing, you're getting ready for this thing. But on the spiritual side, what are you doing there? Do you have any of this stuff? Because I promise you, like me, if you had that great, fast success, you're not going to be able to handle it. And it'll cry. Oh, you say, oh, yeah, if I win that lottery ticket, yeah, I'll be a... No, it'll crush you. And some of you are doing everything in the Spirit. Man, you're anointing it with oil. You're doing this and doing that. But what are you doing on the other side? You know, just preparing and actually doing some work to be able to get things ready. Amen? As we're getting ready to have an altar call, and Pastor Nick comes up, and just some time here at the altar to wait on the Lord, how many are realizing, man, I could use some more patience? Hold up your hand to the Lord. How many are going through something where, man, you need some strength to get through this right now. There's just some, you're kind of in a holding pattern, waiting for something to break. Man, just hold up your hand and let the Lord know. How many of you maybe, I mean, deep in your heart, you don't understand all this thing about, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And it's a shame. It divides denominations. But, you know, the safe prayer, just ask God about it. And get in your word and find out about it. But you know what? I'll promise you this. You know why there's walls up in denominations? Because the devil does not want you to have power. I'm telling you, it changed my life. I began to witness where I wasn't able to witness. I began to say yes when I need to say. But more important, I began to say no to my friends who were leading me all over the place. And became to me more of a leader. And some of you need to find that. And the last question is, are you 100% sure if you died you'd go to heaven? The most important question. I was in the middle of playing pro football, going to chapel service, when somebody asked me that question, if you died, would you go to heaven? And I thought, oh man, maybe I do more good than bad, maybe I can talk my, I didn't really know. And he said, God loved me, had a plan for my life, because of my sin, I'm separated from God. Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I knew all three of those things. But the last thing he said, you have to individually ask him into your life. That's the part I didn't do. I was waiting for some supernatural thing to happen and some loud voice or something. I realized it came down to a decision I had to make. And I said that prayer, and I'm telling you, my life began to change. I began to have a a purpose in my life and a sense of peace in my life. And so if you're not 100% sure, you'd go to heaven. You want to hold your hand up a minute, and we'll just pray for you? If you're not 100% sure, and we'll pray for you at the end. Just meet me at the cross at the end of the service. But this last quick little story. There's a young man who's in love. He's engaged to a beautiful woman. And this is back when you didn't have cell phones, and he had to travel, and he was gone for for several months. But he was deeply in love with this girl. And he's going to head home and he decides, you know what? I'm just so, I just want to surprise her. You know, I'm going to come home. And he got to her hometown. It was midnight. And he said, you know, I can't wait till morning. I'm so in love. I'm just going to surprise her. And he goes toward the house and he gets to the house. He knows the lights are on. 
And as he gets closer, he knows there's music playing. He begins to look in the window and, and sees, man, people are dancing. He takes a closer look, and what does he see but his wife-to-be in the arms of another man? He leaves town never to return again. You know, I wonder if Jesus came today, where would he find his professed bride? Would we be in the arms of the world? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. And Lord, a lot of us kind of measure our life by, well, I'm better than somebody or I'm, I'm not that bad a person. But Lord, how do we measure in the look of your eyes? Are we going to be ready? Like the 10 virgins, five of them were just kind of doing their thing and not really serving or doing anything. And you showed up. Lord, you could show up tomorrow. You could show up today. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, whatever it is here, Lord, you'll just, we'll say yes to you. Let's stand to our feet. I want our altar team to come up right now. If you want prayer for anything, come up and let somebody pray for you. If you want to get right with God, if you've gotten off track, if you don't see a lot of those Christian virtues in your life, you need to make a fresh commitment to the Lord. I want you to meet me over at the cross. But this altar team is going to pray for you if you need more of God. They're going to pray for you if you just in a situation, you need God to give you some wisdom. You just need some strength right now. If you need healing in your body. But what I want you to do is I want you to wait on the Lord. There's times we used to come to the altar and just kneel and wait for God. But now it's like, okay, God, I got about a minute before I got to be out of here. But just go through one course. Go through one course. I'll come back up and dismiss you. Altars are open. I'll be at the uh, cross if anybody wants to get right with God. Let his peace come. You have set us free. You're here. Let our worship be your throne. We're amazed by who you are. Your presence makes us Again, we're not where we want to be, but Lord, we're not where we used to be. And we ask you this week to help us to just go up those steps, Lord, to continue to add to our faith some virtue and knowledge and especially some self-control, whatever we're needing for that hour. We thank you there's fruit available. So I just bless everyone here today. Bless those that are praying for a situation, a family member, Lord. Give them faith to hang on and continue to believe, Lord, that you'll meet their needs and you'll see them uh, just move in their behalf in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, God bless you. The altars are open if you want prayer for anything. Go back to Connect Cafe, have some donuts, have some fellowship, meet some people, and be blessed. Amen.